Hey guys, welcome to the Tweet Coast Church Podcast. So glad that you could join us. Now prepare your hearts for another inspiring message from one of the Tweet Coast Church crew. So how to handle criticism. How to handle criticism. How to handle criticism anyway. So what is criticism? Well, it's actually finding fault. It's actually finding fault in someone or something. When you criticize something, you're finding fault. In something. Now, this is very significant because some people think that God is critical of them, that God is finding faults in us. We need to understand that since what Jesus did on the cross for us, if we have Jesus in our lives, God the Father no longer looks at us in the same way. He looks at us through His Son Jesus and He sees a perfect Son. He sees a perfect son. So when he looks at you, because you're in Jesus, he sees someone without fault. So he's not critical of you. He's not critical of you, pointing out your faults, because he looks at you and he sees Jesus. That's so significant because we need to receive that in our lives. And once again, part of the team, a man as part of the team will get up and allow... Give us opportunity to respond to Jesus at the end of my message today. Uh, receiving that grace. Receiving that freedom in Christ. But criticism. Do you know what? Let's face it. Today, unfortunately, we live in a world of people that are critical. Critical. And, and here's the truth. That people will criticize you for a whole lot of different things. They'll criticize you for how you raise kids. How you, where you shop how you park your car, how you drive your car. I'm telling you, if you breathe today, you are right in the perfect opportunity to be criticized. It's all right. We're not, we're gonna, it's going to get better. It's all right. I know you're just feeling so encouraged already this morning. But I'm here, here to encourage you in the fact because we need to understand that we will be criticized. And so the truth is, is that we don't get to avoid it, but we need to understand how to deal with criticism. Because once again, this is the other side of the coin of fear is holding you back. If we're afraid of what people say, afraid of what people think, it will hold us back from all that God has for our best. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It traps you. It traps you. And if we're worried about what people their critique of our lives, we'll be trapped to live free. And you weren't born to live chained up or trapped. You were created as a follower of Jesus to live free in full color, in full hyper color of heaven, to live free, particularly of the fear of man. I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, people will criticize you. You step into freedom in God and you allow God to do His thing in your life and you just allow Him to, to change you and work wonderfully in your life. You find freedom in God. People will criticize you. Yeah. Oh, so you think you're too good now, do you? <laughs> I've had that one. You step into God's purpose for your life. You begin to make a difference. You say, you know what? I'm just not going to live average. I'm going to make a difference for my life. You know what? You'll get criticized. So your choice today, once again, even in these moments, to understand that you can't avoid criticism, but you need to deal with it in a godly way. But it may not just even be God's stuff that you'll be criticized for. Be criticized how you 
Discipline your kids. Be criticized where you live. And, and let's be truthful, friends. we got to face this, how to deal with it. Otherwise, you'll live in fear. God wants to set you free. Can I say again? See, no matter how hard you try, you will be criticized. Come on. Jesus was perfect. No one holy like him. No one loved like him. But he was criticized. What he said, what he did, who he hung around with. Uh, the whole lot, he was criticized. And, and so it's crucial in these days, friends, to know how to handle criticism. So that's the first point. You will be criticized. <laughs> I feel encouraged this morning. But here's the truth. You can actually minimize your criticism. You can minimize how much you get criticized. First of all, starting with yourself. Starting with yourself. Are you critical of people? You know, do you criticize? Do people hear you talking bad? The old saying is that, you know, people that gossip to you will gossip about you. And, and, and so people understand that intuitively. And, and so are you critical of people? And so it starts with us. This is how we minimize criticism. Here's the second thing. Is there opportunity for feedback? Is there opportunity for feedback so things don't get to the critical stage? We learned this, my wife and I learned this in marriage, that we were trying to sort each other out when we were newly married, you know? Like, and we were just like, uh, you know, my wife is perfect, but, you know, like for, but we were trying to sort each other out and we actually got critical of each other. And it wasn't doing either of us any good and definitely not our marriage. And so we actually made this thing you might laugh about, but for 17 or 18 years, whatever number of years it is, it's worked pretty good where at least once a fortnight, once a month, we actually have a, a marriage meeting. <laughs> where, yes, we do. Sometimes it does have an agenda. But, but <laughs> not a written one. We, I'm only just kidding. But, you know, it's actually where we have an open forum of things that we can work on in our lives. It's normally a whole lot more in my boat than Amy's boat. But you know what that means? It means that we're not criticizing each other at 9.30 at night. <laughs> ah, you're raising the kids wrong. Because that just turns pear shape really quickly. <laughs> the way you're handling money. And so it's just an open forum for feedback. Here's the third thing. Be wise in how you live. Be wise. This is how you can minimize criticism. Be wise in how you live. By the way, if this doesn't sound spiritual, it's absolutely spiritual. Totally spiritual. See, spiritual things aren't just like nice, you know, foggy mist on uh, Sunday morning in a building. It's actually living like Christ, you know, Monday to Saturday church. Come on, somebody. So we be, we be wise in how you live. I love this scripture here, Philippians. Philippians 2, work hard to show the results of your salvation. What? There's results of your salvation? Yes, there is. There's results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving the des you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, say ouch, so that no one can criticize you. Wow. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining, listen, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You see here, friends, is, is the gospel that we live like lights in the dark places. The world gets darker and darker. God has called us to be brighter and brighter. 
And, and so we can minimize criticism by actually living wise. Here's the truth, friend. How do I know that we're going to be criticized? Well, Jesus was criticized. I mean, you know, there wasn't a more wonderful human being. In fact, if you're wondering how to be human, like many people ask now, they mightn't say it in those words, but they're saying, how do I live my life? How do I be a man? How do I be a woman? Well, you actually go to Jesus, who is a perfect human. And yet, even as a perfect human, he was criticized. In fact, this is what Jesus said. He was trying to make this really clear because there was this this prophet named John the Baptist, was, which was actually Jesus' cousin, he, Jesus said, this is the greatest prophet that's ever lived. And, and this is the comparison. Jesus says this. Watch this. For John the Baptist, Jesus speaking, for John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say, he's possessed by a demon. But the son of man, Jesus, is talking about himself on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and, and other sinners. If, if Jesus was using colloquialism, he'd be, he wouldn't use these words, but he'd be like, damned if I do, damned if I don't. He'd be just like, what, what do I do? It's because it's, it's actually a spirit of people just wanting to, to criticize, just you know, be critical of a person's life. Here's the thing I want you to understand, that not all critics are equal. Not all critical, critics are equal. You really need to understand this. Now, let's use a silly example for me, for example. I've been growing my hair this year. Now, if I ask some of you, if I ask Matt, Matt, do you like my haircut? You know what? I probably wouldn't even ask him because I don't really care what he thinks. He could say, like I got this morning, you look like Elvis. He just said you look like Bono, which I'll take that, Jono Bono. Um, and Loretta, I'd have a little bit more respect, but you know who I would? <laughs> if my wife said, chop, 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 you know, no kissy unless it goes, man, I'm chopping it off that day, I'm telling you. <laughs> and she loves it. She loves it. So, you know what? Because not all critics are equal. Not all critics are equal. That's why in your life, you're, you're letting critics that are in your world, whether it be social media or anywhere else, ruin your peace and your joy, but not all critics are equal. They, they aren't. They, they, they really aren't. There's people in your life that you can really listen to and really, really respond to. That's what a humble person does, but all critics aren't created equal. Do you hear what I'm saying? By the way, not all critics are haters. Yeah, you know, we got that thing, you know, haters going to hate, 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 hate. And, and it's just like, oh, you know, if you say anything against me, you're just a hater. But not all critics are haters. We're going to find that in, in just a moment. Not only are not all critics equal, but all, not all criticism is equal. Our response to criticism needs to be different depending on the criticism we received. It, our response to criticism needs to be different depending on the criticism that we received. Because literally there is, um, there is accurate criticism. There's accurate criticism. There's inaccurate criticism, which the details are incorrect. And then there's just malicious criticism, motivated by anger, frustration, jealousy, en envy, or some other agenda. And how we respond to these different criticisms is so important, you see. 
Now, friends, I don't know whether I'm engaging with you just yet, but if you're not taking notes for right now, can you take notes in your heart for some time? Because there will be moments where people are saying stuff, and I want this to be etched in your heart as a follower of Jesus so that fear doesn't hold you back. And the fear of men, what they think or say about you, holds you back from all of God's best. You see, this is how we respond to those different criticisms. Use accurate criticism as an opportunity to change. As an opportunity to change. This scripture here, Proverbs 15.31, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. So there's actually some criticism that is actually really valid. And those people aren't haters. They're actually seeing something in you that is affecting your walk or how you relate to them. If I hear something from my wife in those moments, in those meetings, she's speaking into my life, not in a critical way, but because it's affecting our relationship. And that is an opportunity for me to change. Now, if your boss keeps on saying to you, you know what, you've got to change because you're arriving 10 minutes late, he's not a hater. <laughs> He's not hating on you. He's your boss. It's an accurate criticism. Are you hearing me? Uh, it's gone a little bit quiet and here like you've never been criticized before, but that's all right. I'll preach for myself. That's all right. The second thing, use inaccurate criticism as an opportunity to bring clarity. To bring clarity. Sometimes when we get misunderstood with the information... We just should have shut up and either fight or flight kind of thing. We fight with them. Don't you understand my motives? But just take a step back. Maybe it's just a misunderstanding and you have an opportunity to bring clarity. This is what the Apostle Peter did because he was misunderstood. Watch this. Uh, Acts 11, 2-3. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised Jewish believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them, as the law told them to do. They said, you can't fellowship with these people at the time. They didn't know that God had appeared to Peter, gave him a vision that, you know what, there's neither Jew or Gentile now, or slave or free, gave him this whole vision of how he could connect. And he went down to Cornelius' house and God gave Cornelius the same vision. There was this whole process of God speaking to Peter and this is what he did. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. So he used the opportunity to bring clarity. Now, this is what happened. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. You see, he brought actually some information. He brought clarity to the situation that he was getting criticism from. It was just a misunderstanding, misinterpretation that he could bring clarity on. Here's the third thing. Use malicious, criti well, use malicious criticism as an opportunity to show grace. To show grace. To show grace. How amazing is grace? How amazing is grace? Do you guys over here understand what grace is? Remember the song? We've all sung it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Save the wretch. Remember I asked my mum, Mum, what's a wretch? She'd like, just shut up and sing it. <laughs> just shut up and sing it. I don't ask questions. 
It's like, right, I rich, 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 I'm a rich. <laughs> you know, John Newton wrote that, wrote that song rather out of a revelation of just God revealing him and his inadequacy to get close to God in his own self. He was a man that organized and actually facilitated the slave trade to the point where hundreds and thousands of people were sold into slavery. He was the man. He was the, the, the foreman. He was the organizer of it. And then God arrested his attention. He had a revelation, one that what he was doing was wrong, but his life was dark when it came to his spirituality. And he had this revelation of the grace of God. That God loves me. He doesn't wait for me to stop. doesn't wait for me to get my life together and then all of a sudden he begins to love me. No, right in the middle of sin, he brings me in. It's grace. Undeserved favor. Undeserved love. If you're in this place today and you're, you're trying to get yourself together before you receive love, stop it in Jesus' name. Just receive his love. Receive his embrace. That's what grace is. Undeserved love. Undeserved grace. Do you know as Christians, we're the ones that take grace to the world. The world doesn't really understand grace. In the world, I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you if you think like me. I'll love you if you, you know, I like this. Grace says, you know what? You don't deserve my love. You don't deserve this grace, but I'm going to show you undeserved favor as people of God we are the ones that bring grace to the world we're the ones let me say we're the ones that bring grace to the world and see yeah come on give Jesus a hand clap how do people know grace unless they see it in us I'll wait for Sunday morning, then they'll sing Amazing Grace and they'll find out that they're a wretch. Maybe they might find Jesus in you forgiving, releasing, moving on when they don't even deserve it. It's undeserved grace. It's undeserved love. This is where Jesus said, Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, by the way, that word persecute, we mightn't really, it might be a real word that fits in our culture. That's why I use the word criticism, because our persecution is really maybe, maybe more criticism. Where even my wife and Tiffany the other week were with some people in, in Asia that really know persecution, you know, where they'll be locked up, where they'll be beaten for their faith, all those things that we pray for. But I think in, not, it's not that we don't have persecution, but I think it's more wrapped up in criticism of our lives. Do, do, am I making sense? So Jesus is saying that when people do this, you love them, you pray for them, that you may be sons, daughters. Of the Father in heaven. So here we are as we wrap up. How do we deal with criticism? Well, often don't respond. First, first point, often don't respond. You've been criticized. How are you doing business? The way you're doing life. 
your boss, ha, 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 well, what, what do you do? First, first of all, often don't respond. It's not weakness. It's not weakness. It's meekness. Do you know what meekness is? It's restrained strength. It's like, it's like you know what? Jesus shows us meekness all the time. He wasn't a wuss. There was all power in his life, but he showed meekness. It's restrained strength. The Bible says, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know what? The meek will inherit the earth. What a great promise. If you're showing restrained strength, your inheritance is the whole earth. (laughs) You'll inherit the earth. Second thing is, if you need to respond, wait. If you need to respond to people, wait. Just breathe. Tell your neighbor this, these two words, pray first. Go on, encourage them that. Pray first. Pray first. Go on, tell the other person, pray first. That's what it is. If you need to respond, pray first. Before you send that email, before you send that text, before you get on the line again, pray first. Before you stamp into your boss's office, before you go up to your boss's trailer on the work site, pray first. Pray first. Don't let anger control you. This is what happens. If your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. If your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. Wisdom is low. Here's the third thing here. Proceed with a deep grounded confidence in God. And this is my message the other week. Don't lose your confidence. Sometimes if you are criticized, you can lose your confidence But church, I want you to proceed. God wants you to proceed with a deep, grounded sense of confidence in the love and the hands of God. I love this scripture, Romans 18, 8, rather, 15 to 17. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits. And confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are. Father and children. And we know we are going, what we are going to get, what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. And if we go through the hard times with Him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with Him as well. I want the band to come. This is my last thought. I'm going to get Matt up here to wrap up. The last thought, how we deal with criticism is this. Stay focused on your purpose. Every person that can hear me today within this room, including those kids in those other rooms, has a God-given purpose. Let me say that has a God-given purpose, that you are not a mistake. You are not just an accident. You've been called and anointed by God with a God-given purpose on this earth. You are not just breathing oxygen. Your, God's plan for your life is not just to exist, but to actually live in God's God-given purpose. Sometimes when we're criticized, we can draw back and pull back. We can fear and we can come back. I want to encourage you today, stay on track. Stay on purpose. There was these men of God that were building the walls of Jerusalem in the Old Testament. The one that was leading this This building project was a man named Nehemiah. And they were building these walls because it represented God and His 
kingdom and his lordship. And they were building these walls because they'd been destroyed. And all these people came around him and began to criticize him, began to try to discourage him, try to discourage and get him down from the walls and stop working. I love what Nehemiah said. And he realized that they were plotting to harm him. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. I can't come down off the walls. I'm on purpose. There's a purpose to my life. Thank you for what you've, but you know what? It's not going to affect what God has for my life and my future. And as a church, I'm here to tell you, we are going ahead as a community of faith. We're going ahead as a community of faith. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you're in this place, I want an amen from that. We are going ahead as a community of faith. As we step into touching more lives, I can't understand how you could criticize a church that touches people's lives like we do. But you know what? They will. They will. And you know what? We're not going to come down from the walls. We're not going to come down from the walls. I'm speaking over your life and over your future. We're not coming down from the walls. God has given this church and called this church for a God-given purpose. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. It's God's calling. When the New York Times informed the builder of the Panama Canal of critics back home, the reporter wondered out loud how the general intended to answer his skeptics. He simply said, I'll answer them by building the Panama Canal. (laughs) Fulfill your purpose as a mum, as a dad. Just fulfill your purpose. You raise those kids. You're not just getting through. You're raising giants in your household. You fulfill your purpose. Businessman, godly businessman, businesswoman. You fulfill your God-given purpose on the earth. Let people say what they're going to say. But you go hard after God. Go for Him with all your heart. Here's the last promise here before I hand it over to Matt. I love this. This is the promise I want you to take home today. But in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. Where are those accusers, Jesus said? Where are those accusers? You will silence, church, every voice that accuses you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Wave your hand if you're a servant of the Lord today. Their vindication will come from me, declares the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken. You want to receive the Lord? Why don't we give Him a hand clap of praise? Come on, thank Him. There's victory. There's victory. So good, so good. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are touched by God's Word. If you would like to know more about Tweed Coast Church, please visit tweedcoastchurch.com.au.